This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Back of the Nest Review Show. Sponsored by Pitch Sport. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com Hello and welcome to the Back of the Nest Review Show. On this first review of the season, we look back at a 1-0 opening day victory for Palace as a Wilfred Zaha strike sent Southampton back to the coast with nothing. On the show today is me, Chris Hambling. We have DR Kerners and Patrick O'Connor as well. So coming up, we'll be taking a look at Roy's team selection and tactics and the reaction of fans before the game. We'll talk some of the key moments from the match itself. Uh, we'll talk about player performance, uh, give you our choices and your choice as well for man of the match. Uh, we've got questions and comments from you at home, so we'll be tapping a selection of those. And finally, we'll have a quick chat about the week ahead, uh, quickly rounding up all the transfer rumours and giving our thoughts ahead of the away game at Manchester United. So before I talk to the gents, um, just a quick pointer in the direction of our social media accounts. Um, search Back of the Nest on any of them and you'll find us. Do rate and review us on your chosen podcast apps. Like and subscribe on YouTube and I mention that because, of course, we are on video. Those of you watching already will know that, obviously. Uh, but we don't, you know, we're not charging extra for it. Just head to our YouTube channel and watch us in full high definition glory. Apart from Patrick, who seems to be a little blurry to me. I'm not sure about that. But, uh, but there we go. Uh, perhaps that's just the intensity by which you're thinking that's causing that that, that blur. Anyway, I'm going to chat to you first, Dr. Uh, Let's, let's talk a little bit about the fact that we did a, we did a watch along for the first time for a competitive game. How do you feel that went? Yeah, it went well. It went well, really well. That's why I'm happy. And also, Cast of the Dog is at the bottom of my screen. Uh, Mikey showed his dog. So that's why I'm laughing at the same time. Um, <laughs> what a name for a dog. But yeah, the watch along went really well. Um, over the moon with the result. Didn't expect it. Not. I don't think many Paris fans expected it. Um, None of us were really optimistic going into the season after how last season ended, but you couldn't get any better than that. Clean sheet, 1-0 win. Uh, and Roy Hodgson, finally, we got a win under him. We did indeed. Um, it'd, be a, it'd be a problem if I didn't do this, because we started the feature last week, DR. Mm. Um, so it's time for another round of what's in DR's cupboard. Those of you... At home, obviously, uh, those of you at home, those of you listening will, won't appreciate the visuals, obviously. Um, but I'm excited. We started on quite a low key last week. 
But uh, but this week, oh, what have we got here? Yeah, I've got this delivered by Spotify. Um, they delivered a Google Nest Mini. Um, I'm not too sure. I haven't opened it yet. Got it delivered yesterday. Apparently, it's small and mighty. Um, it's not advertisement <laughs> as well. <laughs> it's not advertisement as well. So we'll see how it goes. Look, there's some place on jazz. Call mum. You know, I could call my mum on it. I could play Stranger Things on Netflix. So, yeah. It'd be quite awkward, wouldn't it, from where you are right now, if you said call mum and your mum was just downstairs saying, what? Like, yeah, that's how you not, call mum, isn't that's it? That's the point of it. All right. Exactly. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, all right, well, look, you're not sponsored by them yet, but uh, we'll review it next week and see if we can get that sponsorship coming because we need the money, don't we? Let's face yeah. it. Yeah, I'm going to be homeless soon. <laughs> are you? <laughs> That's no, good news. I'm not. <laughs> um, we will. I promise. We'll talk to Patrick in in just a little bit. I promise. But there were, I've, I've got another thing. Um, just in general, I just I'd just like to find out what you've been up to this week. Because every time I see you, you're on YouTube. So um, have you done anything else apart from being on YouTube? Hmm. No, I'm still on YouTube. That's it. <laughs> I've just I've just lived there on you YouTube for a couple of months. Nothing exciting. <laughs> That's dedication for you. Well, if you want to know what Dr is doing with his life. Just check out our YouTube channel. Patrick, good to have you along. It's uh, you're up stupidly early uh, in America to deal with this rubbish, and um, we've not helped by taking ages to actually get going. But, um, you know, been playing a bit of golf, got yourself a part-time job. Exciting times. Yeah, um, first, DR. Exactly, you see? It's Same thing, mate. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Brilliant, love it. Uh, Google Mini's the way to go. Um, yeah, um... I retired in June from uh, full-time teaching. I taught uh, and was administrator for 25 years in New York City. Figured it was time to leave with the pandemic and the policies of New York City. I wasn't very, I was very concerned about how they're going to handle the uh, pandemic. So I decided to, to get out. But um, I was actually recruited to be a director of an after-school program near my house. And I'm loving it so far. That's in the afternoon. That's but in a, the mornings, um... I play golf. Yeah, I'm so jealous of your golf. I mean, I have to say, I was scrolling through Facebook today right. and your picture came up of you on the golf course, but it was quite small. <laughs> and then obviously there's two pictures side by side. And in one of them, you're wearing red right. with a red face mask. And as I was scrolling was quickly, it looked, like, it looked like Spider-Man. You looked like Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I, I, I just paused and stopped and I was like, first it was, oh no, that's Patrick. And then it was like, why is Patrick dressed as Spider-Man? But you weren't. Um, yeah, you know, the new rules are whenever you check in, you have to wear a face mask before. You don't have to wear it during the, during the actual plane, but you have to wear it on the first tee. So I, I wear a different mask every time I go out there. So um, yeah, that was my, uh, oh, my, my red Spider-Man, a.k.a. Patrick <laughs> mask. I, I do get the feeling that most golf courses wouldn't let you stay if you were dressed as Spider-Man. It's just the kind of thing that they do, isn't it? <laughs> You're probably right, yeah. Anyway, well, there you go. A little bit, uh, little bit in terms of meeting the guys. Um, myself, I, I haven't very much to say, really. I did make a curry so hot, and I made it from scratch for myself, so I've got no one to blame, that it literally has cleaned the entire of my insides out. So, um, <laughs> oh, lesson, lesson learned there a bit, um, but, I, but I have lost a, bit of, I've lost a bit of stone, so it's good times. You don't learn a lesson, because you've had this many times, and we always keep talking about how you make it extremely hot. So don't say that lesson learned, because good I know point. in a couple of us, we're going to be talking about another one of the episodes. Code. No, you're right, and I did, and I did tell you about it just before we went live with the watch along. Because every, if you haven't watched us on one of our watch alongs with the games, please do, because you'll notice on all of them, Dr. is and, and myself are often laughing as they begin, and it's because I always try and time something ridiculous just as we go live, and um, 
it's I'm, I'm enjoying that part of it. Uh, we didn't do that today. I was responsible for the fact that we um, we were probably laughing a little bit when we started this one because I got things wrong quite a lot. Anyway, should we just jump straight into our, our first topic? And our first topic is really just to delve straight into the game in terms of, you know, I think there was a quite a strong visceral reaction on social media when the team lineup was announced. Clearly, we knew where the tactics were going to be because we'd seen it all pre-season. There was the excitement of potentially seeing as they start the game. Uh, Batshuayi had signed, you know, would he start? And Reid had been so impressive pre-season. Was he going to start alongside MacArthur and in that kind of more creative, um, you know, sort of almost playmaking kind of role sat sat in, in front of the defence? You know, we, that's what we'd been kind of setting ourselves up for. But, and we'll get into the reasons why, when the lineup was announced, there was a lot of negativity, you know, myself included. I, I saw double Macker in midfield and immediately thought the worst. There was no sign of Reid out at all. And your instant reaction was, come on, you can't drop him out of the squad, Roy. And we just, everyone was kind of thinking, same old, same old. So starting with you, Dio, did, did you have that same reaction before you started to think about it? I think it was only gyro for me because as a um, Batshuayi, um, both of them for various different reasons, I knew that they wouldn't start. So it was gyro because gyro has performed brilliant in preseason, one of the best players in preseason. And the fact that he's not even in the squad at all was just like, what is going on? Like, there must be an injury. The first thing came that came into my mind was it has to be an injury because Roy isn't this harsh. I know that he wouldn't, he, he might not start him, but he will at least keep him in the squad. So, yeah, hopefully Jairo's injury is nothing too serious. But apart from that, I wasn't too worried. Um, I didn't expect, like, a brilliant lineup because I already know that we had injuries and players that are not 100% fit. So I wasn't that disappointed apart from Jairo. No, fair point. And like I said, that was probably where I landed when I started to think about the fact that, that Jairo wasn't in the squad at all. Because even if Roy had done the almost unthinkable of, of dropping him despite him playing so much pre-season, you would have expected him on the bench with his versatility. And, and even you know, even back in the last season, he was featuring. So, yeah, as soon as, as soon as my brain kind of adjusted to it, I thought, actually, yeah, Jairo must have picked up an injury. Or, or I did fear maybe he'd... Um, you know, had a positive corona test or had to self-isolate or something like that. But Roy confirmed it was an injury. But just, just again, to get your initial reaction, Patrick, you know, like myself, you've been a bit down on Roy, to say the least. Um, and did did that lineup kind of conf- confirm your worst fears that we weren't going to see too much different? Yeah, and just to be clear, I'm still down on Roy. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm glad we won yesterday. But the double Mecca pivot really bothered me yesterday. It wasn't, because I was upset he dropped heart, heart gyro. I, I kind of figured gyro had to be um, something with either coronavirus or injured. What bothered me was that he chose McCarthy over Luca, And I'll get into my reasoning now. Um, during preseason, McCarthy is hardly played. I think he played the Oxford match and maybe part of Millwall. I remember he didn't play Charlton at all. So he was on his international duty. I heard he played okay for Ireland. I heard he wasn't that great for them. Luca, we know, was... Uh, was uh, came back late. He was. He mentioned he was about ten days behind. But for me, I would have started Luca only because if you're going to play him for a half and then be McCarthy on, I think it's better than starting McCarthy being Luca on late. Now, obviously, in hindsight, it worked out. But had it not, I'd be furious this morning. I'd be furious, absolutely furious. So I have. I don't. I don't have a personal problem with James McCarthy. I just don't like the way he plays. Now we're going to get into later on how he did play yesterday, and I thought a couple of things that he did. I loved. I, I'll mention quickly the Ward Prowse thing before we get into it in detail later on. But 
I'm just not a big fan of his. I'm just not at the way he plays. And I just thought that yesterday I would have much preferred if, Luke, if Jai wasn't playing to see Luca with uh, James McArthur. No, I, I understand that. And I'll be honest, but it wasn't until the watch along where you started talking about um, the fact that McCarthy hadn't played much more football than, than Luca, where I right. suddenly thought, actually, yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. There's probably not much in it. McCarthy did play in the under 23s a bit, but then so did Luca. Right. So, yep. Yeah, it was it was an interesting point and one I hadn't actually considered before. But like you say, as the game unfolded, we kind of saw actually, you know, that's that's worked out all right. So uh, perhaps shouldn't have been too disappointed there. Of course, you know, to, to get to the positives of the system, you know, we we saw a continuation. We mentioned it quite a lot in the watch along that it we had greater flexibility with this four four two. It was quite, you know, the actual way the, the players lined up was quite rigid. You could see. You know, after about the second or third minute, it really settled straight into the two banks of four, and you know, and quite clearly two up front with one slightly deeper than the other. That that was good to see that we carried on that system. But the thing that I think probably pleased us most, the biggest positive that, that we all picked out, was the fact that with Jeffrey Schlup on the left hand side and Wilfred Zaha up top, there was interchange of position between the two of them, keeping the defence on their toes and and allowing an overload at times as well, especially with Mitchell getting forward. Um, and and you know, sort of uh, you know, quite often we do favour that left hand side. So, yeah, both McCarthy and MacArthur ended up there as, several times. So, th- that was nice to see, wasn't it, in terms of the, the tactical flexibility? Yeah, hundred um, percent. You have to give Roy credit for that as well. But even by saying that, it still doesn't feel right because that should have been the case last season. But yes, he has changed it about, which is what we've been, which is what I've been screaming for because. Wolfred Zaha, he's no superhero. He's not going to glide through three or four players. Yes, he's a very good footballer, but you can't rely on that every week. And you look at the um, positioning of the average position of players um, on yesterday's game, Jeffrey Schlupp was right next to Wilfred Zaha. And that is exactly what we needed. A bit more fluidity, a bit more support for Will. And it's not only Wilfred Zaha that actually benefited from that. Andros Townsend as well, which we'll talk about later. I feel like Andros Townsend benefited from having more support for Wilfred Zaha because it meant that down the left-hand side, there was ideally Mitchell, Slup and Zaha. So Southampton players had to focus on three, three players there minimum. So at, at the same time, it gave more space to Andros who can who went on to do his, his thing. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely absolutely right to pick that out. And obviously, we're going into a bit more detail on the goal later on. Uh, but I mean, finally, for, for yourself, Patrick, we've talked about a tactical positive there. Uh, and I, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about... Um, Dior's uh, chat with the Southampton fan after the game as well and how they saw it and because it's always good to get the opposition point of view where they don't have uh, unavoidable biases where we talk positively about things that might not be as positive as we think and we talk negatively about things that might be not quite as negative as we right. think and um, so we'll, we'll talk to Dior about that in a sec but for you was there anything else that you felt was really positive about that selection and performance? I actually liked the way that Tyreek Mitchell played um, I think that the opportunity that he had last year during the uh, post lockdown um, to get to get the minutes in, uh, I think he's really adjusting. I, and again, it reminds me a little bit of he's not Aaron Wambasak. I'm not trying to say that, but it reminds me of the fact that he's been forced into the lineup due to an injury, and he's taken his opportunity. Now, yesterday, I noticed that Schlupp. I talked about when I when I got jumped on the jump watch along. I talked about how Schlupp looked very very tired. It's because he was actually helping Tariq Mitchell out a lot on that left hand side. So what Southampton was doing was looking to switch the ball from left to right, right to left. We talked about yesterday in watch along about how Ward was being targeted, but Andros was helping him out a lot. So I thought the selection of Andros and Schlupp was was really good by Roy because it helped out 
uh, both of our fullbacks to get you know more help because he knew that that's what something that Southampton was going to do tactically. So I, I, I like that part with you know, the whole Mitchell Ward, Andros and Schlupp um, defensive li- lineup. It's funny we saw. Um, I mean, re- reading on um, on forums and social media and stuff like that, a few people were sort of picking out and saying, "Yeah, we we got you know, we we left too much space out wide at times." But you know, first first of all, we we do that, don't we? You talked about it, Patrick, in the fact that we we'll let them have that. We'll let them have that space because fullbacks will tend to tuck in narrow, and I think we tuck in narrow on the right because Ward becomes like a third centre back at times, yes, almost absolutely. Um, and yeah, so we are always going to be left a little bit exposed out there, but it's all about how quickly we get out to the ball and try and snuff out that danger. And you're right, it puts a lot of emphasis on the people like Jeff Schlupp. And he, you know, to pick him out, you're up, there was the the stat that came out after the game, which was he had made one completed pass at all game, exactly. which no, Jeffrey Schlupp made oh, Jeff one Schlupp. completed pass for the entire time he was on the pitch, which is um, which is breathtaking. But you, that means, but. And on any other day, had we lost that game, he would have been absolutely crucified. But absolutely. you're quite right to pick out that a lot of the work he did was was would have gone unnoticed. Um, right. And just one yeah, other thing I want to add, though. Yeah, I want to add also, I noticed that McCarthy, who again, I'm not a big fan of, did a great job of uh, screening the back four. Of the two, him and McCarthy, it was definitely McCarthy was given that role to kind of go side to side and sit in front of the back four. And I think that, that role was very important when you have two centre-halves in Criate and Dan who haven't played together that much. So I thought that was a really important role yesterday. Yeah, for sure. It was interesting seeing the kind of average position showing that MacArthur was a little deeper than that. But I think that sometimes could be could be a little bit misleading because yeah. you're right. McCarthy was doing the screening role. He was putting the challenges in. Yeah. Um, you know, he kept himself more central. And I just think probably the reason MacArthur uh, appeared in those average positions to be deeper was simply because we didn't have the ball a lot. You know, <laughs> exactly. I think the intention the intention was for him to Absolutely. go out wide. But I think we I think we had 29 percent possession or something like that. Something as crazy as that. So. I think you know the you can't you can't read too much other than to look at the general shape and that was was a four four two so uh, well picked out there. All right, well, Dr. Over to you, really. Let's let's talk a little bit about the fact you you spoke to um, was it the Saints View they're called? Yeah, the Saints View. Uh, I'm from the Saints View. And um, what so you know, for those who haven't seen the the reaction on YouTube, what was his general feeling about about why Palace won the game? And in particular, I'm interested in where he, where he felt we got the tactics right on the day. Well, he mentioned that tactically Palace got a spot on, but the reason why he thinks that we won the game is because Southampton wasn't quite at it. He was actually very surprised because even in the opposition preview, talking to him, and Athletic actually made a report on this as well. Southampton fans are the most optimistic fans going into the season. Around, I think, 97 or 98% of them said that they were optimistic. That's the highest in the Premier League um, in the Athletics' latest report. So they were very optimistic. And tactically, though, we have to talk about that because in the first half, yes, we didn't have the ball. But when you look at tactically, it's not all about the numbers and the stats and possession. As Chris said, we were narrow. We were narrow and they couldn't do much. They went out wide, they were putting crosses into the box and then Cheko Kiyate and Scott Dan, absolutely brilliant in defence. They were just stopping them. And in the second half, the only reason why I believe that Southampton played better than us is not really down to tactics. It was just intensity. They upped it and we couldn't match it. Other than that, if we had the same intensity as them, then I feel like it would have been the same as the first half. And that's that's the reason why Southampton had them dangerous chances because they were more urgent with their pass and more going forward as well. If we only changed that bit, then I thought that Roy Hodgson would have got it spot on. 
No, that's, that's that's a good summary, dear, and I, I have to agree with you um, in, in how we how we stifled Southampton because I think you know as as an opposition fan, he's done exactly what we would do and look at look at why we didn't succeed and try and look look at our team and our tactics. But you do have to look at how the opposition play, and, and we just we did set up very very well. But not to say that we didn't ride our luck at times, and, and obviously we all know that we were very reliant on our goalkeeper making some very important stops. Uh, including one from Che Adams. It just gets better every time I've seen it. I watched it a few times this morning uh, prior to starting this recording, and it's um, yeah, it, it's, it's a sensational stop. Uh, we'll delve into that in a bit. Let's get a little bit more into the game and talk about some of the key incidents. And we can't start anywhere else other than to talk about James Ward-Prowse versus James McCarthy. Patrick, you'd um, not long got back from the golf course for the second half right. and made the comment, oh, why isn't McCarthy put, put, you know, put a challenge <laughs> in on her? And you've now seen it, haven't you? You've now seen the challenge, I'm sure. He put in on, on Ward-Prowse where he, um, and then seemed to give him a little nipple tweak as well <laughs> during, the, during the push. Uh, but he got right in his face and Ward-Prowse did not have his usual effect on Wilf. He tried his best to kick people. You know, especially Eze when he came on, came off the bench, he really tried to kick him and got nowhere near him. Not that I think anyone can. I, I so, saying this on, on Twitter yesterday, uh, talking to um, Paul from our, our, our sponsors, Pitch Sport, saying I, I genuinely don't think it's possible to get the ball off Eze, but we'll talk about that later on. <laughs> but going back to Ward Prowse, satisfying that he had no real influence on the game and, and was poor, and a lot of people enjoying the the confrontation. Yeah, absolutely. I can't can't stand him. Yeah, you know, it goes back to the incident with Wilf with the sending off. But yeah, I mean, when when McCarthy came last year, I know the kind of player McCarthy is. You know, he's he's uh, he'll get he'll get stuck in. And I was really upset the last two times he played Southampton. I know he played. I was I watched him. I said, put a tackling on him. I because I know for a fact if you if you send up toward Prowse, he'll back off. Yesterday, perfect example. As soon as he got that tackle for McCarthy, he saw and you know he said that you said the little the little nipple. Thing. He, he, he backed off. He didn't want any. He didn't want no part of McCarthy. Mark McCarthy right in his face. You have to love that part, and that's the thing that again I didn't see it live, but I did see it a replay about fifty times since. And that's exactly why if he's in the lineup, that's what he has to do. He's got to he's got to pick out that player on the other team that does things like that to Will for anybody else and just ne- negate them right away. And you're right, Chris. He did the thing on Eze. Uh, Eze first came on, he, he tackled him, but after that, Eze he ran the show for that like ten minutes and, and a half. So again. If McCarthy does that, I won't have any problem with it. But again, to do that to Ward Prowse yesterday, and then, and then he had two free kicks over the bar. He was, he was, it was a non-factor. Like I said yesterday, I don't know how he's in the England squad. He's not any good. He's not any good. He's an average player at best. He can take a free kick. I, he, he's annoying as all as all heck. You know, what? I'm so glad McCarthy did it yesterday. It was brilliant. James Ward Prowse is a fraud. Yeah, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> well he's, done. He's talked about he's talked about his set pieces when all of them flew to Rosehead yesterday. And there's another thing. I, I don't know if you guys noticed, but as soon as he as soon as he realized McCarthy was there, he he started to back up a bit. And I don't yep. blame him. You don't mess around with Irish guys. I know James McCarthy. <laughs> they're, they're built different. They're built different. Just like Damo as well. They're built very differently. So as soon as he saw McCarthy, he done exactly what I would do, back off. And he's a fraud. He is an absolute fraud. And yesterday we saw it. He tried to he tried to do his little one or two kicks and stuff, but it didn't work because Wilfred Zaha already knows that he's better technically than James Wood Prowse. So he doesn't have to play his games. He plays his own game and he managed to score a goal and win that battle. Just to be clear, just, though, just, he, he was born in Scotland, just to say that. Yeah, yeah, I did say that. He's born in Scotland, I'm just joking. Yeah. I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just say no as well, DR. I'm Irish on my mum's side as well. So. 
Yeah, you're not built different, though. <laughs> I feel like your Irish is a bit different. <laughs> yeah, your Irish isn't quite up there. You need to have a certain percentage well, um, of Irish to be built think, different. We'll take we'll take this offline. Maybe maybe we'll see if you're you're right about that or not. <laughs> but, um, no, look, very very satisfying, obviously, to um, to basically get Ward Prowse out of the game, and I think it showed that he is weak. And I suppose if we if we go back to some of the talk last season. Where people are, are, you know, perhaps rightly picking out that Luca doesn't give Will that sort of backup and that protection, like uh, you know, like a Delaney would or uh, or a Jedinak would, uh, and he does get some stick for that. And when you're seeing, you know, what happens to a player like Ward Prowse, who I agree is a bit of a fraud, and I think he's a fraud in the sense that he thinks he's a nasty player now. But to me, he's only playing at that. He's, he's you know, he's he's added it to his game. So. It's not a natural thing. He's not naturally a tough guy. He's not naturally a tough player. And when he actually comes up against someone who's prepared to back it up, you know, as you say, he, he melts and melts away and doesn't do anything. And I say immensely satisfying. So I think you know, good good time to talk about the fact, Dr. That leading up to the first goal, which we'll talk about now, uh, you and I were in mid conversation about how I, I was saying how I don't rate McCarthy. And uh, you and I were talking about how Andrus has really got to do something to step up, otherwise he's going to be out of the club as well as out of the team. And then immediately during that conversation, McCarthy puts in a great challenge, puts in Andros down the right-hand side. He finds some pace from somewhere, and scampers down the right, and puts in a cross with his weaker foot straight to the feet of Wilfred Zaha, who is calmness personified on that finish, just side foots it nice and low into the ground, into the it past the keeper before he can react. We're one nil up. It's the goal that wins the game. First up, it's it's quite nice sometimes, isn't it, Dale? When you get your own uh, thoughts and opinions rammed immediately down your throat like that. Exactly, but but before the game, before the game, only watch along before we actually started watching the game. I did mention that these next couple of games, Mitchell and Townsend, it's going to be huge for them because Townsend last season he did not perform, and I was questioning him whether he's peaked, whether he hasn't peaked. But then afterwards, I realised that when I was doing the show notes, I, I, as I mentioned before, he had a bit more space. He had a bit more space. And I do genuinely believe that because of Schlupp, Wilfred Zaha and Mitchell going down the left-hand side, Southampton couldn't play their normal balanced game. They had to focus more on the right-hand side than um, on the left-hand side rather than Andros' side. So Andros did, ha- did have the space. And like that, I don't know if he's going to have his, have the space every game, but if he does, then he will perform like that. So hopefully, it was it was a turn of form for Andros, but that was his best game for Palace in a very very long time. I can't remember him having a more effective game than he did um, on the game against Southampton. Yeah, for, you know, for me, faded a little bit in the second half, um, but again because we Everyone had did. less of the ball and we had to, we had just had you know we were further back. Mm. Um, and you know, you you know, you mentioned it. I think both of you mentioned it at different times during the second half on the watch along that we had we had failed to get people up top with with Wilf and Ayu. Mm. And every time we hit the ball long, it was usually for Wilf to chase into a channel, and there was just nobody up with him. And I think that's reflect. You know, that's just a reflection of the, how the game went and the fact we had to get you know, get people back. And, and and Andros was one of the people that suffered accordingly. But no, you're absolutely right. It was you know. I'm always happy to be proven wrong, even instantly, whilst I'm talking, if it if it means Palace are doing well. Um, but how about yourself, Patrick? I know, again, you didn't see a great deal of the first half, but all of the second, you got to see McCarthy before he, you know, as he, to be fair, as he tired a little bit and he and he picked up that yellow card. But were you sort of, obviously, I take it, pleasantly surprised by, by his effectiveness? 
Yeah, definitely. And actually, I mean, obviously the game was shown live over here, so I actually recorded the game. I've watched it uh, since at least twice. But um, just want to go back to the, the, uh, the, the goal. Again, great challenge by McCarthy. But I want to pick out a couple of things about the goal that I really, really liked. Um, the cross by Andros. If you look at look at it, he hits he uses he's up his left foot, he uses his right foot, but he picks his head up before he makes the cross. And that allows him to see who's in the box. And then you'll see Wolf kind of drifting. And I don't know if you guys remember way back when in the uh the Brighton playoff game, Wolf had made the comment that Ian Holloway has always has told him, you know, get in, try and get in the back post. And there he had, he had that great headed goal against Brighton. And something that I think if Wolf adds to his game now, he's playing more forward, it will get him a lot more goals. So Firstly, I want to give Anders a tremendous amount of credit for the cross because the cross was a really good cross. Going for the, fast forwarding to um, the chance, the half chance we had in the second half with Schlupp. Watch how Schlupp when Schlupp makes that cross, the one that IU could have gotten to but it didn't. He just runs with the head down, the left footed cross, then picked his head up. He never, he never looked up to see who was in the box. We had both. We had IU at the near post and Wolf at the back post. And for me, that's the difference right there between Schlupp and Andros. Andrews is more of a pure winger who will, you know, pick out a cross and look for a player, whereas Schlupp's kind of more of a head-down type player, lots of energy, but doesn't really. So my point being that if you only have one or two chances a game, you've got to be more like Andros than Jeff Schlupp. You've got to look up and put in that kind of a cross. Without that cross, it's a nil-nil game. You know, we don't score that goal. So just to, just want to point that I really looked back and saw that those crosses are just, just two different types of players. But again, you've got to be able to, you know, see the cross and, and make them right. Again, on the run also, Wolf, Wolf makes a great run. Ayu kind of doesn't because he doesn't think he's going to get the cross at that time because Schlupp doesn't look up for him. So, again, just interesting. But, again, I, I thought Andros, again, you're right, uh, 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 DR, or someone's made the comment just now about we didn't do it in the second half. But the first half, at least, it, you know, it was some good stuff that we saw in the first half, at least. Yeah, we've talked a lot about, about Palace and their crossing in general over the, well, <laughs> probably over the 10 years we've been doing this stuff. But um, it's, you know, it, it's always noticeable when we actually do get our act together and start yes. putting the ball in the box, what we do create. And I know Roy was talking in the back end of last season about what they've been working on. And they've been working on the kind of, he referred to it as the Man City approach, which, you know, I think, hmm. yeah, I've got my, my own sense on wow. whether that's right or not. But, <laughs> but getting people in and around the six-yard box and having areas where they're going to deliver the ball. And it's traditionally, they're talking about a low cross with people running onto it. But the kind of frequency where we get into those areas and we drill the ball back across, you know, teams have quite like quite often just got loads of people back. We haven't got enough people forward and we kind of, we kind of miss out on anything that was going back to a much more traditional type of cross, a relatively early ball in. We've got the, the, the team our opposition are backpedaling. They haven't got players back and that's why there's space. And that's why, you know, clever movement and good delivery will get you a proper chance on goal. And we just need to do that more. I, I really feel that way. Yeah, Hambo, it's a great point. And look at the goal we scored um, against Man City last year, Wolf's goal, the own goal. It's because he got to the line, made an early cross, and, and Fernandino hit it into his own net. That that cross is very, as a coach, that cross is very effective. Get into the bar line, knock it in back six-yard box for your attacker or someone else to get it in. It works every time, and I'm surprised we don't do it more often. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was just, I just looked at Dr's face there, and I thought he was always poised for a point, but he hasn't spoken yet. So no, no, no. Well. I, was just, I was just, I was just thinking about that comment about playing Man City ball when we only scored thirty-one goals in thirty-eight games. <laughs> I guess, I guess Roy's better than Pep, but I guess, I guess Roy's better than Pep. So it just shows that Man City ball is nonsense. Play Roy ball. Exactly. Um, so let's talk a little bit about VAR because we we saw kind of both sides of it, didn't we? In this game, we saw the. You know, even though it went against us, you know, in a, in a technical sense, with um, Carl Walker Peters' red card being overturned, 
that was the kind of that's the way you want VAR to be used, isn't it? You know, there's an incident, there's a reaction, it gets checked, and the referee is given that ultimate choice, isn't he, of going looking at it again uh, and making the right call. When we saw it live. We all said, after our initial reaction, we all said that looks like a yellow more than a red as soon as we saw the replay. I then tried to backtrack because I really wanted him to get sent off. But basically, we all agreed that was probably the right call. And, and, and you know, DR was refreshing to see, wasn't it, in a lot of ways? Exactly, because at the end of the day, it's called video assistant referee. There should be assisting the referee, not making a final decision. So it was good to see John Moss actually go to the screen and make his final decision. That's exactly how VAR should work. It's there to work like I don't know why last season it was implemented in a weird way where the referee didn't make the decision. I think they were too scared about the timing on how long decision will take. But it was brilliant. Um, I was, I'm just thinking now, yes, we watched it on TV and it was different, but I still feel like if I was at the stadium, that would have been a different feeling. I still would have thought that was a red card because of the way it looked. Yeah. Studs out. And if Mitchell wasn't jumping, then that would have been a very nasty challenge. Back of the Nest, sponsored by Pitch Sport. Fun time videos, choose your match day squad, post match ratings, and much more. Available to download on the App Store and Google Play. PitchDMM.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It was interesting to hear Mitchell at the end talk about the fact that it actually wasn't the connection with the foot that made it, made it, make it uh, made him go down. It was the fact that Walker Peters' arm went into his stomach, and he and you know he he wasn't too bothered about it. He just said you know it, it winded him. That's why he stayed down. So I thought that was quite interesting as well because sometimes you you know it, even in match of the day that the highlight was the connection with the foot, but. You know, that's just something that happens when, when two players are going for the same ball. So it was the right call in the end. But switching to the other call, Patrick, with Wilfred Zaha being given offside uh, after finishing, you, you look at it and the way they're using VAR for that still feels so wrong to me. You know, it, feet were onside. You could see that clearly. And then you start to look at the pictures about where, you know, what's being measured. So you look at, first of all, you look at the defender, the furthest back defender, and the line they're using to measure, his, his right foot's over that line. So they don't seem to be measuring that from the right place. And then you start to look at where, what they're measuring from Wilf. It's, it's, it's either his head or his shoulder or his hip. They've decided which one of those is the furthest forward. Um, so just, yeah, take, take us through your, your thoughts around that decision. Yeah, well, first I want to say I'm a big VAR fan, but I just find that certain parts of it are being used in, in, incorrectly. I know they've they've changed the handball law or rules, so that should be better this year. Because last year, I mean, guys are making handballs at the halfway line, 
and then the play would continue and then it'd be a goal and then they call it back because there's a, a handball at halfway line. So that's the first thing. But uh, our own Albert Curley had a great tweet yesterday and I'm not going to read the entire thing because unfortunately I can't find it on Twitter. But it basically said that does it really matter where your head is when you're up at, by the halfway line? And that's the thing. I mean, I understand that you can that you can score with different parts of your body, but it really should. If you're not going to go with just the feet, it's it's going to get ridiculous. So he, he's got a great point. If you're outside the box, let's not worry about what part of the body is offside. Let's worry about just the feet and then draw that line. Because if you're thinking about the elbow, you know, the arm, the shoulder, the head, out, you know, at the halfway line, it's, it's getting ridiculous. Just make it simple where you can, if you're in the box, you can score with your head, your head's offside, fine. But if you're halfway line, just let let them play on and then let, let it go. I don't understand why they have they insist on looking at every single part of your body to draw this line. And then last year, I remember there were parts where I didn't quite understand why it was offside because they would just pick a body part and say, oh, his elbow was offside, oh, his finger was offside. And I had to think a couple of times it was it was his boot or his lace. It's it's getting ridiculous. They have to figure this out because VAR is very important. Uh, Dr. mentioned it before. It's, it's useful when a referee goes looks at it, but you, you can't you can't be caught offside for stuff like that. It just doesn't make any sense. It's just stupid. I think the rules should change. I think the offside rules should change as a whole because Go ahead. at the end of the day, it should be when you're looking at even when you even if you look at feet and not his shoulders and his head <laughs> head size and whatever, um, it's still going to be hard to determine. I feel like the offside rule should be his whole body is clearly offside. So if it's in line, if any part of his body is in line with the defender, I feel like that should still be offside. Uh, onside, I mean not offside. But if his body, if he's physically ahead of him, his whole body, and you can determine that, then I think that should be offside. Because like this is never going to work. Even when you look at the feet, when you look at his biceps and you look at his toenails, it's it's just, you you, you can't be 100% accurate. But maybe if you can determine whether his whole body is ahead of the player, then like that, I think things will get easier. And, and yeah, I want to add, I... add one more thing. Sorry, Chris, I want to add one more thing. Because when I coached, it used to be you gave the advantage to the attacking player on an offside. And I know that's changing the rule, but... If you went with that, then if there's any doubt, it's onside. That's what you used to do. And this is, I mean, this is pre-VAR. So I don't know why they changed the rule now where you're looking at every body part. Just leave, give the advantage to the attacker. And the DR said, if it's, you know, if you're not sure, let it be onside because it makes the game more exciting anyway. It's getting, it's just gotten so ridiculous. It just has. Sorry. I want to just add that part. No, it's fine. And it sort of lines up with what I'm really going to say which is i mean first of all i i like i'm somewhere in between i mean the whole body thing i understand the logic behind but it just goes back to the point if everyone's clear and, and the laws are being applied properly then fine i might not like some of it but then fine but i think the margin of error first and foremost in var when you're starting measuring these lines and you're trying to measure the the moment at which the ball's kicked there's a margin of error there that doesn't suit the, the way it's being used right now because you can't definitively prove on and offside to the kind of margins that we're talking about but ignore that ignore that just look at the human aspect right look at what it means for a footballer to be trying to time a run to stay onside exactly what are they doing it's very hard for a human being to know all their dimensions in one in one moment um but what they can do as a footballer and it is called football let's not ignore that it's it's work out where their legs are and what they need to do to ensure that their legs are behind the legs of the, the other defender. You can do that, right? Because you can see your legs, you can see their legs, you can see how you roughly line up. So if, if a player like Wilf has made a clever run, kept himself, kept his feet behind the line of the offside line that he's picturing in his head and he's timed that run, you have to reward that. What you don't do is punish because his shoulder or part of his head is slightly further up if you draw a line down from a place that you think is about right. 
that's not football. That's not that's not helping anybody. You look at that run, and you, you go back even five years. Everyone says perfectly timed run, yep. brilliant from Wilf. Yep. Kept a calm head, finished brilliantly. Didn't look up. Didn't you know? And I suppose the flip side is you look at those where where sometimes the the lino looking across won't be completely up with play. So he'll look up and he'll miss the timing and he'll give it offside. And that's the error. So we were trying to eliminate errors, but what we've actually done is create more uncertainty. So that's why we get frustrated and that's why we don't don't like it. So for me, I think you just talk to talk to footballers, ask footballers, what, you know, what do you do when, you, when you're timing a run? What do you consider on and offside? Forget about the bias, forget about your, you know, your desire for, for your team to win the game. If I'm asking you right now, what is on and offside? Tell me, and then just go with that. <laughs> uh, and I think you'll get a consistent answer, which is clearly one person being in front of the other. That's offside. I think, I think they'll change it sooner rather than later. They changed the bits of VAR, which we saw yesterday. With the offside rule, I feel like maybe next season we'll see it, where they will discuss it throughout the season and hopefully actually talk to footballers who are actually playing the game and finally come with you know a solution to that because it's never going to work like this just you can't just look at someone's shoulder and you can't look at someone's head but as Chris said um, these are tight margins that you can't even predict accurately right we don't know if the computer is at the right frame you know so yeah, I mean I can understand I can understand the temptation when you've got the technology to freeze that moment in time that the, that the lino can't freeze look at look at that setup and and start to try and plot whether they actually factually were on and offside. I can understand that you you know you've got that net technology, so why wouldn't you use it? But to me, you've just lost sight of what you're trying to do there. You're trying to eliminate human error and clear. We talk about clear and obvious, don't we, all the time? Clear and obvious human error. And I think we've just lost sight of that. Yeah, and Hambo, you know, you, excellent points, both of you. And the thing is, it's when the ball is played. And there's absolutely no way you can sync up when the ball's being played to that line. You can't do it. They're not using some technology where they, where they have a sensor where the ball's being, the footballer's foot it has a sensor where when the ball is actually hit, then the line is drawn. So they're, they're, they're all fractionally. So you have to right. take those fine margins out, give a little bit of error, and then just go from there. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, just to just to end on that, I'll go back to, to last season where I think one of the papers did a really good bit on Raheem Sterling being called offside. Mm. And they showed between two frames where the, you know, between where he was effectively on and offside, he had moved about, I can't remember what it was now, it's about 10 yards or something like that because he was running at full pace. Yeah. And they said, like, the actual contact on the ball to kick it happened between the two frames. Exactly. So there's, there's physically no, no way of knowing yep. which point he was on and offside, <laughs> exactly. or whether he was level. Absolutely impossible, yet they still reviewed it on VAR and gave a decision. And you just think, what, what are you doing? Yeah, You've lost it. But ruining. Anyway, yeah. look, I, I, hopefully we don't talk as much about VAR this season as we did last season. And we see continued use of referees going to the sidelines. That's the directive they've been given for red cards, penalties, things like that. Anything contentious, they've been told that the, that the VAR won't tell the referee to change a decision. They'll tell them to go and look at it for themselves because they think there might be a change of decision. And that, for me, is a massive step forward. But we're still nowhere near where we need to be on, on some of that stuff. Mm. So let's talk. We've talked a little bit about some of the Palace chances and and. and you know, where we had opportunities there. But Southampton did have a fair few. Um, you know, I watched it a few times this morning. I know you've watched it again, Patrick. I'm sure sure you've got some stuff in your head as well, DR, from uh, from the Southampton chances. But it started really early on with a, with a completely free header for Stevens from a corner. 
which was um which was a little bit of a worry. But we did tighten up. But you know, your mind immediately goes to the saves that Guaita has had to make. I mean, it was absolutely sensational from Jay Adams. It was hit so hard. That's the diff. You know, that's the thing. You know, we talked we talked about it on the on the watch long. It is. It's a save as good as a goal. You don't if he make if your keeper saves that that is a bonus. You don't expect it, and he made a very good late save from Ings, which I think got probably more attention. Which which wasn't right. It was yeah timing wise, it was really important, but it wasn't as tricky as the Adams one. But there was other there are other chances as well. I think Redmond quite early on in the um, at the near, sort of a near post save where quite as positioning is just perfect. He's exactly in the right place. Um, and and you sort of you miss those as well because he makes it look easy. Um, but you know my point being, Guaita was brilliant, but but we rode our luck at times. I think it's fair to say, Dio. We did, but I just wanted to say we talk about average age of squad, and Vicente isn't the youngest goalkeeper, but give him the contract. He needs to sign this new contract because I do not care whether he's thirty or forty or fifty. He's performing well. He's he's one of our best players. Last season, last season he he helped us single handedly. Along, not single-handedly, alongside Jordan Ayew. But this season, I know it's only one game, but he seemed like he's going to continue that form. And he deserves a new contract. That's the only thing that I'm worried about. I just want him to sign that so I can be at relief because he's been linked with other clubs, potentially returning back to Spain. And I don't think we should sell him at all unless a crazy amount comes. But that all changes if he doesn't sign a new contract, which we need him to as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not panicking yet, um, and and I, I he I don't think he wants to leave. Let's let's just make you know put that clear. He, you know, he's so good with the Palace fans, um, and and Roy talks about him very fondly as well. You know, was was very keen to point out uh, after the game just how much we were indebted to him. So you know, when when Roy is a massive fan as well, you know, you know the club will be doing everything they can to keep hold of him. Patrick, he's obviously been a breath of fresh air for you in terms of goalkeeping, and just how important was he yesterday? It was fantastic. I want to go back to last season because I, I, I'm going to admit something. I was a little worried last year that Sheffield United error that he made. Uh, I thought that kind of had a, a little knock-on effect, and I didn't think he played that well, honestly, uh, post lockdown during the lockdown matches. I think, I mean, we lost a bunch of them. It wasn't his fault, but I thought he could have been a little sharper. But yesterday he was absolutely fantastic. And you're right, the, the Adam save was was so reactive and it's something that you don't expect someone to make and again I, I want to go back to you know my favorite palace goal Esperoni Spony made those saves all the time and we and we forget well I don't forget but people forget how how important some of those saves so saves were and again they're, they're, they're as good as good as goals I'm telling you if if those if those goals go in and they should have gone in we lose that game to one this is a totally different podcast today it just is it's totally negative from the standpoint of how poorly played in the second half we didn't create any enough chances. Why was McCarthy MacArthur starting? You know, how could Guay to give up that goal? I mean, you know, you just kind of you just got a feeling how negative. You know, why was Batch White brought on? You know, why weren't there more subs made? So th- that those saves were so important. So I'm with Dr. I mean, I, I hadn't realized that there was a contract out there for him. We've got to re-sign him because if we have to go back to you know who for any reason at all this season, it's going to be a problem. And we don't have like a young goalkeeper. And as DR said about, I mean, he went over the top of the 40-50 comment, but goalies uh, uh, in the 30s are not an issue. You know, they they can play, they can perform, and that's because of the experience. But, you know, we're going to have to look for another goalkeeper. So where do we go for that? Where do we go? We go somewhere in Europe because you you know, aren't that many good, you know, English goalkeepers we can get. I mean, Henderson went back to United and we can go all that, you know. So, no, he's got to be resigned because, again, he is a 
he's as valuable on, as on the team as any player that we have currently. And that includes Wilf. I normally don't do player suggestions, but I'm not even saying Uh-oh. this because I'm Turkish. He's, he plays for Trabzon, which I don't like one bit that club. <laughs> but he plays for the national team as well. Their goalkeeper is very good. Like, he's very good. He was linked with Chelsea as well, but they didn't get him. That's a very good question. He's young. I'm pretty sure he's okay. young, but I'll check out his age. But yeah, he's very good. I feel like if we have opportunities to get him, I'm not, actually, you know, I never suggest actually, players, but he is. I have good. a suggestion, and, and Hambo will go with the football manager, Wilker Farinez, the Venezuelan keeper. He's a legend. <laughs> <laughs> An absolute legend, the football manager. Let's sign him. <laughs> and uh, let's not forget as well for the future, Martin van der Ver, Yes. The <laughs> uh, Belgian keeper. One, it'll, be, it'll be great in a few years. <laughs> FM20. Yeah, uh, anyway. Um, Sorry to digress. But unfortunately, the the keeper I've got now is a regen, you know, so he doesn't really exist. But oh, uh, how could you do that? I can't, I can't recommend him. Sadly, that's what happens when you're still playing football manager in 2030. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it actually exists, which is not not as much fun. Mm. There's a couple of other bits in here that you've in the in the show, Doc Patrick, where YouTube put in. We'll, we'll we'll talk about Mitchell in the next set next section. But just finally, you've made a good point there, and about you know what would what would we do in terms of Looking at, at next week, week weeks beyond, we've won a foot. We've won the game. You know, we've we've defended well. Do do we change a winning lineup? And you've been pretty pretty adamant in your response there. Yeah, listen, I had the argument on Twitter all the time with people about winning lineup. You can't change it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Um, yesterday was a needs must lineup. Jairo was injured. Uh, Batshuayi had just signed, wasn't ready. Eze had been injured. You absolutely have to change the lineup for next week for me. You have to start as a, you have to find a way to get Batshuayi in there. And if Gyro is healthy, you got to play Batshuayi. And I might even add, you might even want to add Luca. I'm I'm being serious at this point. I I, I get that you know we got a, we've got a very valuable win against Southampton. But look at the matches coming up. We're playing United, Chelsea, Everton. There are some tough games coming up. And do not tell me that the lineup we had yesterday is going to continue to win those matches. It might. It might. I don't don't get me wrong, but for what I'm concerned, if, if players like Eze, uh, Luca, Batshuayi are fit, they have to start playing because we have to bed them in. And I know we've got the game against Bournemouth on Tuesday, so he might put them in then, and that will be great. But for what I'm concerned, you, you don't just say, okay, we beat Southampton, great, let's stick with the same line. I hate that thought as a coach. I hated it. You've got to adjust your team to the teams that you're playing and the tactics you have and the health, etc. Don't tell me one again, keep the sign up. That is such an antiquated way of thinking about football. It's ridiculous. Go ahead, Dion. I see your hands up. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from. But with the United game in frame of mind, do you think, do you think, no, 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 but do you think Eze would be the right man, especially when we talked about how much Schlupp has helped Mitchell? United are an attacking threat. They're not defensive threat, but they will score more goals than you. That's their game plan. They're not that great defensively. So when you put in Eze and then, I think Batshuayi, that's a realistic option because we haven't talked about Jordan Ayew, but he didn't have the greatest of games. Um, He had a pretty quiet game. So I think Batshuayi can come in there, but when you do Eze, I'm not too sure because then the balance goes and we're more attack-minded and with United, that's a bit risky. Okay, so did you watch the Liverpool-Leeds game yesterday? Yeah. Okay, how did Leeds play yesterday? Away from home, yeah, no they're... fans. How did they play? They played their game, right? They played. They weren't afraid about it. I mean, they lost the game 4-3 and I, that was uh, you know unjustified to me, but they, they, they also decided he's going to play a certain way. My point is, stop being so negative and just put the players that you think can perform. Eze was, I mean, it was 10 minutes, but he kept, he keeps the ball ticking over. Look at the difference between we complain. I mean, I was only on for the last second half. 
35 minutes of that, of that half were, was horrible possession-wise. It was terrible. As they comes on, we, we are attacking. Wilf has two chances, one that was called offside, one that he missed, all because Eze's in the game to kind of hold the ball, switch the play, keep possession, that kind of thing. Don't tell me you can't do it against United because, again, he's, he, he, he's a player that is confident. And my point is that I'm sick of this whole idea of because he won a game, keep the lineup. I, I want to play... Pe- I'm tired of Roy Ball. I want to play something more yeah, exciting. And but, we have players that can do that. Why don't we try it? Yeah, but that's the thing. He's not going to change. We're not going to play like I Leeds. That that's part, that's my problem. Me, I know. So, I get that so, part. I get that part. So, so putting, putting in Eze into the lineup is just going to, under Roy Ball, I don't see it working as much against United because I feel like Mitchell will be exposed. I don't know if Eze is as good defensively as Schlopp is going back. Well, we've drifted into a few topics there, haven't we? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yes, we have. It's a, it's an inter- it's an interesting debate, though. I, I think you know, I I think what Patrick's saying is 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 absolutely bang on, and where I think in terms of how I what I don't like about how you know what what we keep referring to as Roy Ball, which makes my skin crawl. But what what I what I don't like about it is it is too reactive to other people. Um, it really, and is. it is it is too much thinking about how how do we negate the opposition. You know, and I understand, you know, particularly old school managers, Warnock was the same. You have that mindset of we have to earn the right to play. If you never get to that point of earning the right to play, you never play. So, you know, that's a hard thing to have to deal with. Um, But but I do understand the mentality to a point. But it also is a difficult journey to to get to somewhere where Leeds are, for example. Now, Bielsa is is a fairly unique character. Yes. But, But let's face it, they've come up. From, from that division with momentum, with a philosophy, and they've gone out and they've bought well or, or brought players in, in in a very sensible way that they they fit that system straight up straight away, right. um, and you know they play with a freedom, um, and they, um, that, that we we don't play with, and to change you know so it's very difficult for Roy to walk in. To, to be, you know beckon them tomorrow and go right guys I've changed my mind about everything <laughs> we're now we're now gonna we're now I'm now gonna just say look attack 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 don't worry about shape don't worry about def-. so he's not gonna he's like guys I, I saw I saw Leeds on TV against Liverpool can you just play like that <laughs> uh, but don't lose no, no, but don't Hambo, lose but Hambo, one yeah. second you're right but he has changed though the four four two is not Roy mm. he changed that part I mean it hasn't he he changed the four four is not Roy so he, he he looks like he's. If he gets certain players, he will change. I'm. I'm always not trying to play like Bielsa. Bielsa's football, the whole pride press, is absolutely fantastic. But it's not Palace. But my point is, you have Eze, you have Batshuayi, you have Luca. You know, you'll have Ferguson. You have Maya. You know, just put them in and have them play in that four four two. Where you have the interchanging. That's we I mean, did that last year. Wolf wasn't play forward last year. It was. A, it was. A, it was a. It was a wide player. I mean, he's he's making changes. Just ex- exactly unbelievable. Wolf Zaha wing back. Most dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But my point is, he's, you can tell he's willing to change. Just adapt just a little bit. At least try it now. So when we get to the, the Chelsea matches and the Man City matches, you know, it's not going to be totally, oh my God, he changed the entire system around. But anyway. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, that one of the things that is clearly being done is to bring youth into the squad. And that, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why we have to kind of forgive him a little bit for not playing a high pressing system or anything like that. Because we don't, we just don't have the Can't legs do for it, do yeah. we? Yeah, nope, I got no problem we, with that. We, we, try, we try it in spells, don't we? We, you know, we, we'll like, we'll either start, start a game with a high press or we'll do it. If we go one nil down and there's <laughs> right. ten, ten minutes left, yeah. we might high press. Desperation. But basically, generally, yeah, generally speaking, we don't employ that. We try and we try and use shape, you know, and keep calm and let people have the ball at times. And yeah, it's it's a hard watch. You know, there's no getting away from it. But 
you know, in the cold light of day, I understand why we do it. I think what the, the frustrating thing and the reason that, that lots of us did turn against Roy last year and still have reservations this year at the very least are because we didn't see it changing and we didn't see any desire for that to change. You know, it, it felt like that was that's the way we're going to play and that's that's the way it's always going to be. Um, and the more that the more we see that adjusting and the more we see this system that let's face it is an old Roy system from from when we had different players. If it, if it works properly and we play a bit better than we did against Southampton for the rest of the season, um, I think people will relax a little bit. I just want to clarify one thing. I do want Eze to start like Patrick. It's not like an anti-Eze agenda, but I'm just saying realistically under Roy's system, I can see him maybe... It might it might not be the best game against United if we're playing four four two and he's out wide, especially how we're. No, nah, mate, you don't rate him. Admit it, you don't rate him. What? <laughs> What's your reaction video? What's your reaction video on YouTube? I'm just What's your joking. reaction video I'm on YouTube? Joking. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, just just a, just a bit a bit of a joke there. Um, look, we'll 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 steam through the next topic because we basically talked about it throughout the course of it. We're talking about player performances, who was bad, who was who was who was good, and who was Jordan much level. Um, and I don't think we had too many Jordan much levels, which um, it's a very hard thing to achieve, to be quite honest with you. Um, but so we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a little chat. I mean, let's, let's start with Isaiah, of course. We've talked about him a bit. Um, but for those 10 minutes, well, I suppose 15 with injury time added, uh, it, you, you don't want to get you don't want to get carried away, do you? I've got this thing in the back of my mind saying, don't get carried away. And I had the same reaction when I saw him play against Oxford in pre-season. I was like, okay, that. He, he looks unbelievable, I, but it's only Oxford. It's only preseason. Don't get don't get excited. He comes off the bench against Southampton. I'm not I'm, in my head. I'm going, yeah. They were tiring. They were chasing the game. He's not going to have that much space usually. Um, you know, he's not going to have a, a a team that's sort of established in the match around him. He's he's definitely not going to be that good. But then you watched him. You watched them trying to tackle him. They can't. No, he gets the ball at his feet. And he'll, he'll either run past you or he, he can he can use his strength and hold them off. So intelligent in in how he how he needs to retain possession of that ball, and the timing of the pass and the weight of the pass is unbelievable, and the quickness of the feet is unbelievable. So what the hell? What, you know, where, where, what can, what else can I say to try and calm myself down? Anyone? <laughs> no, he's gifted. He's he's gifted. Like it's not it's not a fact of this player is you know he's got fast feet. He's just naturally gifted. He's he's born to play this game. He's his concentration levels. His um where he sees the games, IQ of the game. You can see it. I mean, we we haven't seen him play ninety minutes. It's crazy how we're talking about this player like this, but we haven't seen him play ninety minutes. But in a short spell, you could see all the hype that QPR fans were talking about. He's got that fast feet. He's got the IQ of a footballer. And put him next to Wilfred Zaha for nine minutes, then we'll see forty-five minutes against Charlton. It will be a Charlton. They were brilliant together. That fluidity in the four-four-two system it worked perfectly. But then again. We have to see him play and start more games, but not against United. I, I, I'm just worried about that. I'm just worried about the United. Well, I, I disagree. Yeah. Chuck, I'll chuck him in. No, we'll no, beat no, him. no, no. I started, <laughs> we beat him last year, saw... wait. We just did, saying. we did. We're yeah, we did. I can't remember the lineup. I can't remember the lineup then around. But if he was playing 4 2 3 1 and Eze was central and Schlupp was still on the left hand side, then that would be amazing. But that's not going to happen on the road. So it's just yeah. one of them things. We'll see. I, what what I'll say um, is that um, Eze's debut was phenomenal i'm trying to go back to think of another player who excited me as much in his first and i i mean i, I love max meyer but max meyer his debut didn't stand out like that for me which is probably why he's not playing Lassie, maybe 
Balassi, yeah, maybe? possibly, but I was more thinking about Premier League. But you're right. Oh yeah, Balassi, Balassi was actually very exciting. But that's been that, and that's my point. Look what we had it went on to do. So, um, listen, again, it it it's, it's short term, but again, Chris pointed out his his ability on the ball and his vision for me means he can play at any level against any side. If you can do that against Southampton, you can do it against Man, Man United because of the fact that once you have the ball at your feet and you look up, you've got Wilfred, you've got R, you've got Bashway ahead of you, you're going to be confident. I mean, so for me, for me, see, I'm 100 against you. You you have to start him against Man United. You just have to. But again, yeah. it's Roy, and it won't happen. And I know that. And I'm it won't it won't, it won't it won't phase him either. Is it? I really it enjoyed the, exactly. the clip of him. Obviously, we haven't mentioned it yet, but when he when he destroyed Walker Peters, murdered. Um, oh, I've him around him on the ground. That, yeah. The fact that he laughed afterwards as well. Like, <laughs> no respect. Just, he, he couldn't. He couldn't help it. He couldn't help himself. He walked away and he had like a straight face, but then he turned back around and the camera caught him and he was just giggling to himself. That joy, you, you know. Hopefully, no one even dares try to coach that out of him because. If he has to keep that joy in, in, in putting people on their ass because it's beautiful. And D, I want to add one thing. Remember, there there's no crowd at Old Trafford. There's no crowd to to boo Eze and, and intimidate Eze. So, I mean, you won't get a better chance to put him in a debut against a top club. There's going to be no crowd. So why not now? I, I say, if not now, never. No, no, it's not even about the crowd. It's just his defensive work. That's that's yeah, all my crowd, problem. Yeah, is. I understand that, but the crowd would have been would have been an issue. You're figuring in your, your debut for Premier League, you know, against the top side, blah blah blah. Way the crowd's on you, but no, I get the defensive part. But you know, if you got the ball, you can go defend. Mm, we'll see. Right. Well, let's um, <laughs> very quickly wrap up on a couple of other people we want to talk about in terms of performance. Uh, both of you picking out uh, Tyreek Mitchell. Um, I think at various times. Um, oh, there's so many to talk about though. When you actually think about it, because I'm going to rattle off a rattle off a quick list of, of the people we've all highlighted. So I've gone with Wilf, both Mackers, Mitchell, Andros, who we've talked about in terms of a 50-50 game for me. Eze off the bench and Vicente Guaita. Dr's also picked out Mitchell. Um, Patrick, you've got you've you've definitely correctly gone in with Kiate as well because absolutely imperious at centre back, brilliant performance. Um, we we didn't even put him in our man of the match poll on because on a, a Twitter, but um, yeah. But I'm I'm not saying he was in charge of that, Mike Scott. But Kriate um, <laughs> was brilliant. But to be completely fair to Mike, I forgot to mention him. No, <laughs> in, it was it was an understated you know. performance by him. This is the thing. Uh, um, I think it's Tony uh, Tony Gale. I think he was doing the the, the comms. I think he's a former West Ham player. He had mentioned how how that was a big loss for West Ham to lose him, like it was to lose Tompkins, and I. I didn't realize he can also play, by the way, right back. He's on that for the national team. I mentioned this during the preseason watch longs. I'm telling you, he's he could play back there the entire season. I don't I don't think I'd want him back there the entire season because of, you know, that's not really he doesn't play the hundred percent. But Kyoto is a very, very valuable player. And again, uh having back there with Dan yesterday, he was he was very controlled. Yeah, he made a few mistakes positioning wise, and he's not great as far as heading. That's probably why Steven's got the header in on, on that corner. But I just like the way he played today. He's what we call in football manager a ball playing centre half. You don't get those naturally because it's actually naturally yeah, as, as centre midfielder. But is he defend, cover, or support? I mean, I just uh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Anyway, great. Question. <laughs> <laughs> but again, just, um, just played really well yesterday. I, I really love the performance by Piate. Big fan. Dio, you're going to take us through a little bit um, on Mitchell before we yeah. get to some listener questions and end up. Yeah, the reason why I didn't mention Kuyate and the other players is because, yes, everyone's talking about them. But let's talk a bit about Mitchell because yesterday, even by just watching him play, he didn't seem out of place at all. But looking at his numbers, which uh, CPFC Analytics has posted on Twitter, he said 
the following. Tyreek Mitchell's game by numbers ranked amongst Palace players. So let's start this. 14 complete passes, second. 14 good crosses passes, joint first. 59 touches, first. Zero fouls conceded, first. Wow. Six tackles, first. Seven times regained possession, joint third. Two clearances, joint third. This wow. man had a brilliant performance, wow. but of course, the lack of Kiate and Wilf's goal had just brushed it apart. And I was talking about this. This is the type of performance you need, Tyre, because if you want to take Patrick Van Arnold's place in a spot, you've you done absolutely all you can. And hopefully, this will send Roy a message saying that maybe Mitchell, he's got age on his side as well. Should I start him? Well, on that, I was really pleased to see the comments after the game from Roy because. He was asked about Mitchell's performance in the game against Southampton, about how good it was, and he quite rightly agreed. And he, But he was really quick to point out, he says he's been like that pre-season and, and after lockdown as well, ever since he came into the side. And I, I thought that, you know, that's the sort of thing that Roy wasn't saying last year. I don't know if it was frustration or or he, would, he was sort of digging, um, digging his heels in a little bit over criticism about not using young players, but... He certainly wasn't talking in those terms last year. And you know, for this year, for him to come out and actually say to, to, to the interview, actually, no, it wasn't just this game. Mitchell has impressed me and, and got better and better. Um, I really like to hear that. You know, that, that gives that gives me a little bit of a warm feeling that, you know, Roy has, if anything, he's probably he's probably rating Mitchell higher than some some section of the fans but fan base. So that's really inspiring to see and, and that'll that'll do Nothing but give him more confidence. So I thought I'm not surprised that those stats really DR, but um well no, I am a little bit. <laughs> I thought he was good, but I didn't realise he was he was that strong and the, the no fouls wouldn't have won him any favours under some previous managers, but you know, I will I'll choose to look at that as a timing his tackles well and making the right decisions. Yeah, I wanna add, seriously, and this is again, and I, I get the, the Roy fans out there, but this is my my frustration. By the way, DR, those are great stats, by the way. Thank you, Sharon. I didn't realise he'd done so well. Fantastic. But this is my frustration with Roy. This is the second young player he's been forced to use and has proven that he can play. Give the kids a chance. Seriously, give a few more a chance. If they don't make it, I get it. But give the kids a chance. Juan Basak is phenomenal. Tyreek Mitchell, very early sample size, but doing well. Give a couple. Give Pyrrhic, Give him some more chances to play. Give Nervin Kirby a chance to play. I get it. They may not be great right away, but you, there's a couple of them are starting to show now. If you give them a chance, not through injury, that they can at least perform where they're not embarrassed themselves. Give the kids a chance, please, Roy. I'm begging you. Please. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I am just noticing how long we've been gone on and how much left we've got in our show plan as well. Um, I'm going to take this opportunity to point you in the direction of our sponsors, Pitch Sport Football. If you Google Pitch Sport Football, uh, check out their site and download the app and get involved with us on there. Um, yeah, should be great throughout the course of this season. We should be getting some really good stats from them as we start to build up uh, people's reactions to games and, and predictions and all that kind of stuff. So that'll help us throughout the course of the year. If you can get involved in that, and, and start to give them the data that they, they need to, to provide input into us. That'd be brilliant. Um, but I also want to mention, obviously, so for the rest of the, the rest of the show that we've got left, um, we're, we're, we're planning on some questions from you, including a couple of audio clips. And then we're going to talk a little bit around transfers and, and the week ahead. We'll probably cut the transfer chat a little short um, in the interest of time. But don't forget, DR uh, gives daily updates pretty much on, uh, on YouTube in terms of... Um, uh, of what's going on in the transfer world. I'm just trying to watch Patrick with his hand up there. What's going on, mate? 
I was trying to point towards DR, but yeah. you know, because it's the first, I couldn't figure oh. out where oh, DR okay. was. It's confusing. No, I know he's, okay. he's there. Yeah, no, it's hard, isn't yeah. it? Because I'm doing, I'm doing that and I'm off screen. So <laughs> I want to do that. And I'm point, pointing to myself. Yeah, so I need to, <laughs> but then it's the wrong side. So uh, Chris yeah. and DR up there. Confusing. Confusing. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> you know what's you know what's coming up if you're uh, if you're getting tired or you want to you want to pause and listen to the rest of us later on. But um, we'll try and wrap this up relatively quickly. But um, so just a quick one one word answer. Who's your man of the match? Guaita or Guaita as Patrick likes to say. I'll be different. Guaita. <laughs> I swear he pronounces it Guaita himself. I know. I, I know. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but it's fine. You're giving validation to that terrible, terrible song that everyone made up. With. How about Vicente? Is that better? Vicente is correct. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I love it. Vicente. Vicente. I know you do, but I just—it's like if I pronounced your name um, Br, <laughs> you'd be annoyed, well, wouldn't you? But that's not my name. It starts with a D. But but that's how you pronounce. You, yeah, yeah. Well, you can say Dyer. Dyer. That's what people really. Dyer? Yeah, Dyer. Okay. Yeah, Dyer. Well, I'm definitely doing that now. Uh, well, <laughs> Dyer. <laughs> you can out your own F word there Dyer as well. Dyer Kernes. Dyer Kernes. No, it's allowed on YouTube, but no one pods. Is it, is it, yeah, I mean, do it we is. have to put explicit up if we swear on YouTube? The West Ham oh, no, pod right. yesterday, watch on it. They, they, yeah, exactly. they curse the entire time and no Trust one me. leaved them out. It it's cool. fine, yeah. It's that fine. was brilliant, by the way, not to, not to digress, but their watch along yesterday, that loss was absolutely epic. They almost had three three epic like heart attacks at the same time. I felt really bad <laughs> for like two seconds. Not, not going to lie, I was reading the West Ham Twitter and, and forums all day <laughs> yesterday, well, all, day, all evening, just <laughs> laughing and laughing and laughing. <laughs> They um, uh, they're they're in a bit of bother there, aren't they? Shame that, um, really. And it's not like it's not like you can even say that you know the new Newcastle are, are that good either. Exactly. Um, <laughs> they were they were just quite clearly trying to settle and, and having some trouble putting play together. But West Ham looked like a looked like a League One team, which is absolutely delightful. <laughs> um, so look, we're going to have a little um, uh, listen to a couple of some audio clips that came in via our WhatsApp. Uh, function which uh, we should get the details for popping up on the screen any minute uh, but let's let's check out check in with audio clip one hello everyone just seen us beat southampton one nil it's rob win here um obviously very happy and i think we played really well we were solid um southampton didn't have too many chances the chances that, that they had we had one incredible save from Guaita and another decent save at the end. Um, obviously great that Zaha scored. He should have scored another. <laughs> I did have the fear that when he missed that, Southampton would go and score. Um, but they didn't. Um, but I've got to say, that is why Zaha is not going to be bought by anyone. Not for the money that we're trying to get for him because a quality player should have finished that, that one. And of course, he got, they got that one that was offside. And that was close. That was tight. But it was offside, I think. 1-0. We are going to finish in the Champions League places, I imagine. Looking at that. Uh, let's see. Up the Palace. Yeah, enjoy, enjoyed that from Rob. And um, also very much enjoying first Patrick's reaction and then all of our reactions to the Wilf comments, which um, I think is interesting. So first of all, we missed the, the chat about the one that Wilf missed. We talked about the one that was given offside, but he did you know go through a little bit later on. And um, instead of where you'd argue 
what he did previously, which was the right finish, hitting across the keeper. He tried to drill it near post, which we've seen him do successfully a few times and missed. So it could have been could have been a, an important moment. But the, the comments to extrapolate from that, I think probably Patrick might want to talk about that. Yeah, he technically scored two of three chances because the one was offside. So what do you expect? I mean, name a striker that scores two out of three chances every single match. I mean, I get that Rob, I, I think it's a bit tongue-in-cheek tongue about no one would buy him, but... If you look at that finishing yesterday, I thought it was, it was pretty good. And again, he couldn't go the same way he went for the offside goal because I'm pretty sure MacArthur would have figured that out, sussed that out. And you're right, Chris, he actually has gone high to the near post before and scored. So, I mean, it, I don't know. I, I mean, listen, I'm a big Wilf fan. I'm going to defend Wilf. Here's the shirt here every single time. So um, I'm a little put off by that comment, but I, I get everyone's opinion. But again, that's a little harsh to say he will get bought by big side because he misses one of three chances. Reaction, Kernas? Yeah, with Wolf Zaha, I just I thought look, remember what I said about Max Meyer and the watch along about the chances. Um I don't want to get into that into that area, but that chance, it was a big miss. I feel like he had a bit too much time on the ball and he overthought it because the the goal that he scored when it wasn't offside, uh, no, when it was offside, was was brilliant. That's what he wanted to do. But I feel like he had a bit too much time. But yeah, I wouldn't look too much into it. Hopefully, in the next couple of games, he can score a bit more goals and then we can just, you know, silence that uh, Wilfred Zaha is not as clean quite front. Dia, with all respect, um, he ran from almost the halfway line for the goal that was offside. He had much more time for that shot than the one that he missed. So you're wrong about having too much time. Look at it again. He went from the, almost the halfway line. He had IU to pass to chose not to, and scored. But Ayu made a face like he wanted to get the tap in. He actually had more time for the goal he scored but, in the offside than for the other goal. But you can see that he hesitated. In no, no, the one I'm not saying that stuff, but he, to say he had more time is wrong. I know what you're saying, mm. but he missed it. I'm just saying he had more time for that goal that he scored than the goal that he missed. So you're, Look, I'm just going to stop there because I didn't listen to any of that because I noticed in our in our show chat I'm that DR's having a conversation <laughs> with Mikey's dog. Custard the um, dog, who's that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so, <laughs> I suspect I suspect Mikey's typing it at least for the dog, if because the dog paws are difficult with keyboards, aren't they? Uh, unless the dog is dictating to. Um, I didn't realize he was watching that, but that's why it made me laugh. Yeah, talking about that, that distracted me as well. <laughs> and perhaps we might be able to share share that screen at the, in in the edit, maybe, but probably not. Yeah, uh, but no, thank you. Thanks again to, to Rob for those comments. Always good to have a little bit of controversy to discuss as well. Um, very much agree with your summing up of the game as well, and enjoyed the uh, the tongue in cheek mention of Champions League. But you know, if we, if we keep if we keep winning and we don't concede, what, what else are we going to do? Uh, yeah. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. Anyway, we've got uh, another clip to follow. This one I think is from Ebo. So here we go. All right, back in the nest. Uh, it's Ebo calling. Just uh, first game of the season. Fantastic. When the squad was announced, I think I, like the majority of people, was a, a little bit uh, worried. Um, Southampton, I mean, they're one of those teams that we haven't got a great record against. And just the lineup just seemed to be same old, same old. But when they went out and played, it looked a little bit different. Um, and there seemed to be a little bit more flexibility up front, even with this starting lineup. So, yeah, positive coming off the back of that. It would have been nice to have won by more goals um, and, and maybe boss the game a little bit more but you know you've got to take three points and be happy with it so 37 more points to go and uh let's see how it goes come on you eagles yeah i saw a few people saying that just 37 more points to go or 
34 maybe so it's an, I have to say that it, it did pop into my head as well the fact that we've got three on the board already um, and how much we, you know we're, we're closer to avoiding relegation straight away that um, mindset ignoring, drives me ignoring, nuts it really does I can't help yeah. it it really does drive me nuts I get it but I can't get into that mindset it just drives me crazy I'm too old for this I really I'm too old for that mindset <laughs> I want to win no, something but... can we win something please <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, um, yeah. but I think you know it's good. To, always good to hear you know completely independently you know uh, Ebo there is picking out a lot of the same themes that we yeah. picked out of the fact that you know that nervousness around the lineup noticing that yes you know it might have felt very samey in terms of who was selected but how we actually played was very different and in particular that flexibility up front so you know it just kind of revalidates the things we've been talking about the things that people have noticed and you know it just makes them that much more real when when we're all seeing the same thing which is good to good to hear so thanks very much indeed Ebo. just ignoring further chat there guys what just is, ignoring what is, what is, what is the odds <laughs> What are you typing in that chat? I can't even no. read that out loud if I might get sued. Yeah. yeah, no, no. It's just costing a dog going back and forth. It just it just proves that we've probably gone a little bit too long yeah, with this show and yeah. we're starting to lose I our agree. minds. So let, let's let's rattle through some questions. Um try and give we'll try and give us short answers as we can. Some of them do kind of lead to more discussion, but hopefully we've covered some of the detail of it anyway. So a certain Nick Gillard got in touch uh, saying how much would not having a rocking stadium of noise affect our performances? I thought we lacked real attacking intent against Southampton and worry that we won't take games to your position and stamp any authority on them. Uh, we scored because of poor defending. So I'll, I'll take that one. And it's, it's quite a long question and it's, it's quite multifaceted. But basically, I think when we, we will miss our fans in particular when we're chasing games, you know, when, when the, when sort of enthusiasm and urgency is gone from the team, it's got to come somehow from the touchlines and come from the team itself. Um, and that, you know, all the, all the players will tell you that sometimes it's actually the fans that kick that off in terms of that, that demand, that, that insistence that they, that they up their game. So, They'll lose that, but obviously, hopefully, you hope it will balance itself out over the course of a season because other teams won't have that either. Uh, but it's certainly an important part of the sellers' crowd, and, and and I do think, you know, we will miss it. And in terms of us scoring for poor defending, I think you could you could argue that, or you could say it was a perfectly timed counter attack with some real quality in it as well. So um, I think we we were decisive with our with our passing. So I'm not going to write off our our goal scoring just as a as poor defending. I think we, we turn defence into attack very, very quickly. And it's very hard for any team to, to deal with that if you're if you're precise with what you do. Uh, next up was uh, Mark Drew. I'll give you this one, uh, Patrick. Who, What and who will replace Zaha if he leaves? You can't replace Wilf Zaha. So I'm going to just say that I don't have any idea who could replace him. And I just really hope he doesn't leave. And I think the changes, addition that we've made with Batshuayi, and Ferguson and Ezra might get him to stay. And as DR always says, who's going to pay that money for him anyway? So I just think he won't leave. All right, good stuff. Um, Red and Blue Dave, for you, DR. He says, with Batshuayi back, will we go with Ayu more as a winger or is he there as a replacement? What do you think? Wait on, sorry. He doesn't say Batshuayi. He says Batsman. You changed that. Exactly. Yeah, there's a reason I changed that. It's because Batsman is the worst name no. of a player ever. The club have used it now. It just, I hate, as I I hate thought, it too. Batsman is a, it's a cricketer, isn't it? That's all exactly. I think about. Batsman. I just, I just think about Mishy coming off the bench wearing full whites and pads with a cricket bat in his hand. Now, uh, 
Just Batman's Batman a fraud. Be fine with no, it. no, that's a fraud. That he's a fraud. Let's I'm not, not going to get into that. your yeah. problems. Yeah, exactly. yeah, your problems with Batman are your own. We don't yeah, need exactly. the listeners to have to Anyways, deal with that. Anyways, so with Batman back, um, I, I'm not too sure. With Andros, you'd you'd suspect that um, he'll stay in the starting lineup, but of course, um, right now I think Jordan I straight swap. I, I'm not too sure. I think Jordan I goes to the bench if he performs like he did against Southampton because you don't drop Andros Townsend. And Jordan Ayew, I doubt he goes to the left-hand side and replaces Jeffrey Schlupp because if that was the case, you might suspect that Eze might come in. So right now, as it stands, if Batshuayi was to come in, I think Ayew goes. I have to say, man, you're funny, Dio. You go with the wind. Last week, you, you said Andros was gonna be, wasn't going to play and Ayew was great. And now all of a sudden, Ayew has one bad game. And all of a sudden, now Ayew should be dropped and Andros shouldn't be playing. You're so funny. Man. You really are. Seriously, you're the best. Oh. Shame, shame we haven't got the time to debate DR's flakiness, but let's, so let's, move, let's move on. No, but... Um, all right, let's just move on. No, but, no, we haven't got time. You know my point. pick it up another time. Just, no time. No, that's flaky. Um, so I'm going to deal with Mike Scott's question. You might know Mike Scott from uh, somewhere. I'm just trying to think where. Um, he said, can we discuss Mark Bright's excellent hair, please? Um, and I'm just going to say that I was pleased that it got trimmed, or as much as I enjoyed the, um, you know, the afro, it was absolutely superb. But I'm, I'm, you know, people seem to be a bit down on the fact that he trimmed as much as he had, and you know, I mean, I've got hair envy anyway, as it is, and and I and I thought it was it was very neat and tidy, and that's all I'm going to leave it at. This one's for you, uh, Patrick. Another light-hearted one from J. Kel and he noticed, and I didn't see this at all, but it, was, it pleased me greatly. He said, can we talk about the old bloke on the corner of Park and Homesdale watching through the gap in the gate with a match on his phone? His missus stood nearby, reading a book occasionally, took him over some wine gums, trying his darndest to keep to the ritual. And and that's a good observation, but it's the ritual, isn't it? The fact that, I suppose, it's, you know, you're, you're used to having to watch games on TV because of your location, but... Amazing to see the, the dedication and the attitude for some fans who really just can't let it go and, and what a struggle it's going to be this season. Yeah, a, a couple of things. One, um, as a as a young man, I would actually be that person. When I couldn't get into the matches, I would actually <laughs> I was the one at the gate because I couldn't afford to get in. And the stewards would open the gates up uh, 10 minutes before the matches end and let anybody that wanted to come in, in onto the terraces. So I do that. So that was great. I can relate to that. Um, secondly, uh, we just had the US Open over here and there was an Italian player playing. And there's a gentleman that was outside of the stadium with a with his phone, watching the matches, reacting, jumping up and down, going crazy. So it happens everywhere in sport. And I can understand people wanting to be at the games. But I got you got to show some love for that person, whoever he is that did that. I that would be me if that was me. If I still live in Thornton, if I'd be at the games outside sellers every every week, I really would be. Uh, yeah. With a caveat, as long as he's socially distancing. Oh, of course, safely. with a mask on. You know, my uh, my yeah, Spider Man mask, mask on. Yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um next up we've got a a message in from eagle eye view which is chewy he used to do the writing for us before we kind of abandoned the admin of of having to have a write have a written uh blog on the website so chewy's taking it over to eagle eye view so check them out uh particularly if you enjoyed his articles before but chewy's um very much from the angle of um of doesn't like uh, a lot of the negativity that's crept into the fan base and look to be to be fair he's completely right that it can be over the top at times but dr this one's for you so you know in, in summing up in probably a sentence or two which is obviously a deeper topic than that how do you feel in terms of the fact that chewy's referring to it as incre- as incredible negativity that has consumed a portion of our fan base and that whether it has gone beyond reason or become a witch hunt at times do you know what a witch hunt is yeah 
I'm just checking because sometimes you young people. <laughs> yeah, I do. What do you think? Are, uh, are, are people over the top with their negativity? For example, how negative people were about that that selection? Um, I don't, I'm not too sure. I'm 50-50 with it. I think in general, the negativity is there because it's been deserved um, to Roy because of how bad and how stubborn he is with his tactics. But pre-match, I'm not too sure. It's always going to be there, isn't it? Because people have their favourite, just like Roy has his favourite. So everyone expected Batshuayi to start and, you know, they want Eze to start as well. So you understand where they're coming from. But, yeah, it's always going to remain, I think. Okay, um, we could debate that further, but um, we won't. But I dare say we'll refer to that theme uh, a fair bit throughout the course of the season, but hopefully in a positive way yeah. uh, if results continue to be good. Um, Mr. Cadbury's Parrot got in touch as well, saying um, our, uh, poor season last, last season for Andros seems to be back to somewhere near what we expect from him. Is he back and does he make the first 11 when everyone is fit? So I've got to give a quick answer. We've talked about him already. My quicker answer is he looks a lot better. He looks a lot fitter. But if you look at the whole squad, if everybody's fit, particularly if we bring in a couple of other players, I think Andros um, is, is bench at best, if I'm being completely blunt. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Not everybody will agree with that, but we'll see. <laughs> and, and finally, lovingly named Andy the Twat 1992 has asked for, <laughs> and this will be Patrick to comment on that. He feels that um, let's talk about the need that we don't need Patrick Van Arnholt to play left back unless Mitchell gets injured. So favouring Mitchell over PVA. Thoughts, Patrick? I'm, I'm, I would have no problem with that. Um, PVA is really good getting forward, but I've always had a problem with him defensively. I think uh, Mitchell's much more solid defensively, even though he's inexperienced, and I think that he can learn the attacking part. So I would have no problem if Mitchell was to continue at left back. But we all know when PVA is healthy, he will start because it's Roy. There we go. Again, can't debate that any further because of time. Um, but there we are. So really quickly, um, we're looking at the week ahead. Um, we're going to, at the request of Mikey, uh, our producer slash controller of Custard the Dog, um, we do need to have a quick chat about um, Sirloth. We'll talk about Ben Rama as he's the strongest rumour at the moment. Uh, and then we'll probably have to wrap it up without talking about too much else other than a tiny little look ahead previewing the preview once again, talking about our thoughts about the Man United game. So first up, Sirloff, I'm going to start talking about this myself and Dio, I don't know if you have anything to add. We'll see from your from your transfer rumours, roundups and things like that, but where we seem to be at the moment. So I think first of all, quick summary of what, what the deal is with Sirloff. Obviously, the loan can't be terminated by any one party. So Trabzonspor and Sirloff and Palace all need to agree that that loan needs to be terminated. And I think depending on who initiates, there's possibly some degree of uh, a cost impact and all that kind of stuff. But basically, Trabzonspor can't buy him, can they, DR, until until he plays 50% of games this season? Yeah. He's had an offer. Um, RB uh, Red Bull Leipzig really want to buy him. They've made a, an offer. The player wants to join. Uh, he's so far decided he's not going to turn back up after international <laughs> duty at Trabzonspor, which is hilarious. Um so it looks like all parties are trying to force through that move. So a lot of people are still wondering, will he come back to Palace? And look, he probably doesn't want to, let's face it, and I'm not sure we necessarily want him back either, um, as much as he's done well out on loan. I think for all parties, the, the Leipzig deal, if we can get money out of it, would be great. But bottom line is he you know, he could terminate, you know, ask to terminate the loan and return to Palace, and that, that would be the end of it. He's got another year on his contract, and that, that would be it. 
but obviously everybody wants to wants a deal to get done here. So the, the likelihood of him being a Palace player, I would kind of say, is pretty low, if not non-existent. But you know, he is doing everything everything he can to force this move. So I'll leave it there in terms of my summary. Anything to add on that, Dr? Not really. Uh, that's it. But you had the um, the the joy of translating the the article in Turkish, which I I love the phrasing of. Uh, uh, when they were talking about him being disciplined for not to... Yeah, he was meant to turn up on Tuesday. Um, so we're talking about last week. Last week, Tuesday, but he stayed on international duty till Thursday and said that he'll be coming back on Friday and that hasn't <laughs> happened yet, so he'll be disciplined. So basically, Solov is, doesn't want to go back to Turkey and doesn't want to go back to Trabzon, which I don't blame him. <laughs> who, do you, who do you support? Well, Fenerbahce or Galatasaray? so the only other one i want to talk about now is uh it's an article in a paper we won't mention yeah which fortunately <laughs> someone screenshotted <coughs> son <coughs> sorry you're not allowed to say those words sorry um so, I mean, I'll very quickly mention they talked about Scott Banks going on loan, loan to Rochdale, which sounds like a good loan yeah, to me. I, like um, I think I think that would suggest there might be more players coming in because the intention, I believe, with Banks was that he would hang around for a little while uh, to make sure we had enough numbers and, um, and cover in wide areas in terms of first-team training. So if we're looking to get him out on loan, it might suggest we're looking to get someone else in. And in the same article, the headline part of the article, suggesting that Said Benrama of Brentford might be on his way to Palace uh, with 20 million being talked about, which is about 10 million less than was rumoured before. Um, but suggesting that others have dropped out of the race and Palace uh, are very confident of getting the deal done. So first of all, I'll start with you, Patrick. Reaction to that? Quite surprised at the change in the in the price. Uh, would take him 100% at 20 million. Um, he'd be a great addition. Uh, again, my concern I've mentioned before is Haifis into Roy's system um, with his uh, stubbornness to put new players in anyway players of that ilk that you know that kind of skill level but Ben Rama would be a great addition um I like the just going back I like the Banks idea of him going loan. I also saw an article from Matt Woosden that he said today that Kamani Gordon might be going out on loan and he's only a scholar and said that it might be that's about maybe the first scholars ever gone on loan so that would be another thing but again um I think Ben Rama would be great quick question uh Hambo um have they changed the uh the squad um uh, size due, due to pandemic is it still going to be twenty five or they extended it because of this? I don't even know. I think I think it's still twenty five. Okay. I mean, technically speaking, if you count the players, so, someone was writing this. I can't remember who was writing this on Twitter earlier on. That technically speaking, we might have a squad of thirty, right, um, to choose from. But I'm not sure if that's thirty over twenty one or it's exactly, just thirty yeah. we'll be picking right. from. Because my point being, is probably if, need to do some research, right? Because the point being is, if Banks goes and Benrama comes in, you know that's a, a, an equal swap. Even though I think Banks is under twenty one years actually, so that would be good. But if it's not, then there's a numbers issue. But like, like I said, Benrama, I mean, come on, if he comes in, that's ridiculous. I can't even get go there with that because that would be a tremendous addition. <laughs> it would be. Yeah, it looks um, looks a very very good player. Yeah. And I, I, I'd hesitate to say it looks a really real Palace type of player as well. You'd be very excited, Dio. About yourself, some some comments on those rumours? Yeah, just a newspaper that spoils it. But he was he was linked with us last week. Um, not too sure who it was. I don't know if it was the same newspaper. But yeah, it seems like Palace are genuinely interested. And if we get him, I'm just 
it's just a com- conversation for another day. But the depth issue, like who plays where? I mean, we haven't got, we can't play 12, 30 man at the same time. So what happens? You, I'm not you've already sure. benched IU and Andrew, so he'll find a spot. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> but no, it's it's the pro- it's a problem we would love oh, to have. Oh gosh, the problem you want to have as a coach, exactly. Too many good players. You know, and it's you know probably worth us mentioning that there's also you know work being done by to to look at players for the future as well. We've talked about them a lot in terms of Bella Kotchuk, the centre back, and Flynn Downs, who's not been featuring for Ipswich uh, on the day of recording. I watched that today, and he wasn't run. in the lineup. So interesting. <laughs> Excuse me. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, just very, very quickly uh, between us, we'll have a we'll have a look ahead to to Man United. Of course, the preview team will be recording a, a full podcast later in the week to go through that. Uh, so check that out. All your podcast apps should land some point on Thursday or Friday, uh, in time for you to to listen and, and get their views before the game. Uh, keep an eye on our social media accounts to point you in the direction uh, for any questions and comments you want to discuss with the guys as well. Um, at some point they might do the video version as well if you're very very lucky but uh, we're keeping it to just us as we try it at the moment so let's talk about Man United uh, the, the, it's a different type of game obviously different type of challenge um, so in terms of my views I'm expecting I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that we don't change anything too much tactically that we stick with the 4-4-2 we've been working on uh, but I do expect and, and kind of hope to see as they come in for Schlupp and I and I kind of feel that this change will be Townsend out for Batshuayi, and it will be Ayu who goes on the right hand side, as we sort of talked about a little bit earlier on. So front two of Zaha and Batshuayi with Eze on the left and Ayu on the right, and then hopefully, you know, McCarthy had a good game, but I expect to see Luca back in there, or potentially if he if he's recovered in time, Jairo Riedeveld, which might be nice as well. So. Uh, but there we are. That's my thoughts. And in terms of a score prediction, you know, I can't help but be a little bit negative because it got us a, a result this week. So I've got to stick with predicting defeats until I get it right. So I'm going to predict a 2-0 a, a defeat on the, in the hope that, that I'm reverse psychologing it again. Yeah. That's, my, both, that's my theory. Diop? We got Bournemouth on Tuesday, but um, just... Yeah, I'm ignoring the... That's not yeah. a proper cup, is it? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Unless we win, of course. But yeah, I'm predicting a one-all draw once again so that we go on to win the game or at least get a point out of it. Um, and I wouldn't change too much about as we've already discussed with Patrick. Yeah, he won't change the lineup. It'll be exactly the same lineup we start with. And um, I'll predict a 2-1 loss because I'm always negative. Everybody hey. knows it about me. Good stuff. Love it, Patrick. <laughs> Join the club. Um, no, the um, so what, what do you reckon? We're going to try and find a dodgy stream and do a watch along for Bournemouth. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that off stream, Ooh. but I don't know. <laughs> oh. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't the, know. Yeah, trying to point the podcast listeners in that direction. Should they? Should they want to check us out? So, exactly. It's always good fun, isn't it? Our, our watch alongs. We you know, we enjoy doing them. You never I wasn't talk, sure that other people. Go on. You never talk about the videos. You always talk about it on podcasts like we haven't done videos for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't done videos for 10 years. <laughs> oh, a little bit of revenge for you there from my from my abusing of you on the on the, on the watch-alongs, yeah. mentioning the podcast. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, do check out um, social media for, for links to that if we're able to do it. And we certainly will do if we are able. And like I say, we, we really enjoyed doing them and, and I'm surprised at how many of you seem to enjoy watching along as well. Um, 
it's always a surprise anyone wants to listen to us at all but good times anyway look let's end that there it's way way longer than we expected I don't know if we're going to try and chop this up and edit it into some form of sensible length but you know probably not that takes effort right so um, all it remains is for me to thank uh, Mikey and Custard the Dog for producing thank DR and Patrick for joining me to discuss today and of course to thank you for listening check out preview show Thursday slash Friday and we'll be back to review maybe the Bournemouth game as well as the Man United game as soon as we can (laughs) bye Custard bye Custard (laughs) bye Custard The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.